direct my life about coherence and not necessarily about impact. So I don't know if I've ever thought I want everyone to compose at home. I think it was not really an agenda I had for myself, but more like a message I constructed because of the whole startup entrepreneurship thing actually so it's the line is very hard to define because you feel like you want to try different things and um uh you're like constantly asking yourself the same question and then you you refine as you go but then you also get influenced by what other people tell you and you have role models you feel like oh you have some friends they've developed their startups they are so amazing i want to be like them so um I I cannot say actually that even if I've said it I've also said it in newspaper <laughs> but that everyone composes at home is not necessarily my big why and I guess like I do not really go around telling people what they should do and this is not my agenda at all but me being like so committed to what I do is actually like people reflect on their own actions like it's not something that i try to analyze but that's what people have told me and then like i i try to tell them like you can do whatever you want like i'm not here to judge you validate you or anything but they're like no no i know i know it's just like it makes me reflect on my own actions Hey everyone, I'm Dean Long, the host of Lifeline Podcast, where we are going to have deep conversations with changemakers from all around the world, working hard every day to make the world a better place. My guests share about their journey, what impact they are having, what are the challenges, successes and lessons learned along the way, and I hope you can take away a few things from these role models and apply it to your own journey as a changemaker. If you like this episode, you can share it with two of your friends, put a five-star review or comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or YouTube, and of course, subscribe to receive every episode and continue learning from all these role models. In today's episode, you will meet Monolam Cho, who is the founder of Composity, a social enterprise focused on environmental education and making composting easy for everyone in Cambodia. Growing up in the city, she shares her journey connecting with the soil, with the food we eat, with farmers, and with all the natural resources used in our everyday life. She goes through how she started building her first home composting kits based on her own needs, and how it eventually became Compost City after improving her initial prototype year after year. She proudly shares how Compost City's mission is evolving from only compost awareness towards making people connect with the soil and the food we eat. Finally, we discuss her overall life philosophy guided by nonviolent communication and how she's not trying to tell people what to think, but instead try to make people think. This episode is also special because I'm co-hosting it with Linkalin, so you will hear three voices throughout the episode, and it was also recorded on video, so you can switch to YouTube if you want, if you want to see all our faces. Enjoy the episode, and see you back in two hours. Hi everyone, <laughs> welcome to Lifeline, and today is a super, super uh, special, amazing episode because uh, if you're on the video, you can see we are all wearing yellow. 
Um, and yeah, because so okay, so we this episode is very special because uh, there will be two interviewers, Linka, that you know because it's episode one, twenty-five, and forty. Myself, Dean Long, and we have an amazing guest called Monorom. Uh, she will be the first Cambodian <laughs> French guest, but uh, have some sort of Cambodian roots. And yeah, basically, so how I met her is um, <laughs> we can hear you. <laughs> how I met her is because, uh, yeah, she's my roommate, so we live together. I see her every day. She has a super inspiring story, so we'll get to understand about everything uh, today. And yeah, super, super excited. How are you, Monorom? How, do you, uh, how are you feeling? Um, I'm a bit nervous because I, I actually listen to your podcasts and they're all amazing, all amazing people. So <laughs> I'm very afraid. Yeah, <laughs> that's why you were invited. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, so to kickstart... Um, and yeah, and, and Linka also knows Monorum, but maybe she can share more later. Uh, but yeah, so for, for me, I think just to frame a bit the episode from my perspective, and uh, maybe Link, uh, let Linka just after, before you introduce yourself, share her framing from her perspective. But for me, I think there's so many things to learn from your story. And so many things to learn from Composity, how you, you know, brought it into life. I think so many lessons learned uh, from how you really, you know, immersed to understand the problem, how you started Composity, even without knowing you were studying Composity. And yeah, so many things. But yeah, that's my, like, for me, like the things I want to dive deeper into. And for you, Linka. Yeah, uh, so for me, how I learned how I met um, Moranom was in twenty. <laughs> I tried so many times to practice pronouncing her name, but apparently, still not as good. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> uh, into the end of two thousand nineteen, when I visited Phnom Penh and I was staying in Impact Home, uh, I think with um, Melanie's, which is another interviewees of Lifeline, uh, which you will hear about her story very soon. We, s- we stay in Impact Home uh, with um, Monorom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we connect, we've connected very fast, very deeply, just the first day we've met, right? And uh, for me, I just have a lot of questions uh curiosity really want to understand your story your mental models uh you know what shape who you are because for me you know there's always this um questions if you have a magic power what would you do right for me at this point if i have a magic power i want you know i want to have more people who will be like monorome <laughs> In the world, I, I I told this to Ding Long many what? times. I wish someone like you in Bangkok, where I'm living, I really feel like you know every city should have more people like you. Oh my God. Yeah. So yeah. So let's dive deeper into that. Yes. So to kickstart, would you like to introduce yourself, who you are, where you are, uh, what are you doing, and just you know anything that you want to kickstart with. Okay. Well, first, uh, thank you guys for the invitation. Like, I'm blushing. <laughs> Can already see because I'm Asian, but um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's so nice for you to say. I, 
Yeah, I... I, I hope that uh, maybe the audience can identify or something like that. Okay, I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, I'm a bit nervous. <laughs> okay, so uh, I, I introduce myself. Okay. Yes. So uh, my name is Munoro, but actually, because it's not really my first name, so uh, sometimes uh, I say Munoro or Munoro. Like <laughs> So um, maybe it's a good introduction to say that actually I don't think that my name defines necessarily who I am. Um, it's just one component out of so many others. Um, so how to introduce myself? I think I'm a human being out of seven other billions. Um, and um, yeah, I'm a living thing. Uh, among other things as well. Maybe that's it, I don't know. Where are you now? Um, I'm in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. I'm Impact Home, uh, is it like 8.0 now? Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, I'm in a very uh, like cool home, like surrounded by loving people. Uh, I would say, and um, I'm in a I'm in a good place in my life. I think right now, like I'm in a transition, so it doesn't necessarily show in terms of result, but in terms of mental health, I feel like I progress a lot. Mm. When you say you are in good place in your life, how do, how would you define this or describe it? Okay, um, so. I've struggled for many years uh, trying to, uh, I think, like uh, focus on some uh, things that I thought were what I should be or what I should do. And um, I just um, accepted recently that there are other ways to actually live life and to uh, find happiness and um, just uh, keep... Uh, struggling on the same things um, maybe some, for some people it works for me I just I just feel like um, of course you can change um, but there are some things about you that like you were born with it and maybe your life is just about discovering this as you as you move forward uh, in life and I feel like I'm discovering things about me um, And um, yeah, I, I just hope to yeah to find um, ways to um, make them shine more, as opposed to like focusing on some dark <laughs> um, yeah dark spots. Mm. So more like focusing on your strengths rather than yes, I think that's uh, kind of um, advice that I. Uh, heard already before uh, from a podcast talking about change makers actually um, and uh, yeah they were talking about uh, like focus on your strength and find people around you uh, who can compliment you but it's not necessarily like there's something to say it uh, with confidence because you experienced it and it's something else to um, yeah just hear it and actually mm. you have not done the work yet so it doesn't speak to you yet could you share maybe like one strength that you realize you had and you decided okay I will mm. really try to leverage on it 
So that's an exercise that I did last year with something that I call the action verbs. So um, I was uh, trying to understand my personality better and uh, maybe some of your audience would know about MBTI mm. and the 16 personalities. Uh, so I'm categorized as ENFP. Yeah. Yeah, uh, us too. <laughs> and um, yeah, I um, went into that, like the analysis of the connecti- cognitive functions and stuff uh, a bit deeper. And um, I, I started to do this exercise that I call like the action verbs and um, try to understand in just like one action verb what, uh, what makes me alive. And uh, I realized that... Um, yeah, so work is very important for me. I feel like it's uh, like I for me I see work as we can say creation or art is something that you're going to dedicate so many hours of your life doing. You're gonna uh, inspire other people by doing what you do, and um, it's gonna define a, a part of you, not all of you, but uh, something that you decide to do. Maybe not everyone today, but if I had a magic power. (laughs) Mm. Um, And um, so, yeah, I feel like for work, there is something that we, that's called like Ikigai. But for me, I I focus on on two things now. It's like the why and the how. And I feel like the the purpose of why I'm I'm doing what I'm doing is uh, has always been quite clear for me where I know that other people quite uh, like can mm. struggle a long time uh, with this but for me it was the how and uh, so to come back to the action verbs I feel like my uh the actions that I was doing every day was not in line with my happiness and did not uh, reflect um the way that I want to create work that I want to create like art or life um, so I kind of um, yeah, struggled a lot with this and then with the actions verb last year I realized that uh, all my actions verbs were people oriented so I had a lot of um, things related to talking actually mm-hmm. like ask questions, debate uh, discuss, share and I had like hosts also like I love hosting um, like I love to invite people uh, come over for dinner or something like that and um, so I just realized last year that I was just doing none of this because I was just struggling with other things mm. that was very um, that required me to be uh, alone most of the time um, maybe it's not the way that everyone does it but it's the way that, that I thought I was supposed to do it so I kind of cornered myself and um, um kind of um yeah um took a lot of opportunities like out of the table on a daily basis just because I was like no I cannot do this because I have to finish this first I have mm. to do that because uh, I I cannot do this because I have to do that instead this is what I should do as a entrepreneur or as a someone who starts an initiative or blah blah, blah. So yeah, I'm changing that. Ah. Did I answer the question? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So to summarize, like it's interesting. So you say, I guess to summarize from the beginning that over the last few years, you realize more because you said things that you have to do as an entrepreneur, as blah blah blah, as a CEO. <laughs> but maybe the <laughs> yeah, the term CEO is still funny and for me. Founder of Composity. <laughs> uh, 
and you're like maybe this is not what makes you happy what makes you happy like, I mean if you center back on yourself identifying the action verbs that make brings you joy and happiness mm. and linked with your why and then you did like this sort of self-assessment okay what action verbs am I implementing these days and they were not the ones that make you happy and bring you joy yeah. so it's okay let's focus back on this uh, yeah no super interesting maybe can ask a yeah I, I don't know if it's time to asking the question on the as an entrepreneur but uh, yeah I mean well, since Ding Long already mentioned it <laughs> yeah I think uh, so I know that you actually before starting Compost City you were like a sustainability coordinator for uh, um like a social enterprise called Farm to Table, right? Um, and then, so I guess you started to pay attention to sustainability, to impact, and everything. I'm just curious, uh, when did you start to notice it and pay attention to all these kind of uh, issues? Mm. Um, so, um, like, when you say issues, you mean... Like sustainability, mm-hmm. or you care about all these kind of things. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for me, um, I like so when we talk about sustainability, um, I like in in my in my perspective, I hear uh, natural resources. Like I I started to be uh, interested in natural resources um, relatively late. Actually, I was I did not grow up being interested in environment at all. I just thought. It was like uh, a boring topic, and people who were like identifying themselves as environmentalists, I just thought they were not funny, <laughs> and <laughs> and a <Too> bit <laughs> and a bit moralistic, and uh, so that was not really that did not speak to me, mm. um, like let's say protecting the planet and I'm sorry <laughs> for the people out there who want to protect the planet please do not uh, take this the wrong way um, I mean the wrong way and um, but yeah I was very interested in um, uh, development economics and uh, inequalities and for me what I understand is that uh, economics is just like the study of how uh, people share <laughs> Uh, natural resources among among each other um, so like it's um, like we are dependent on on natural resources and there is a finite amount and uh, from this there are many ways to look at it or like there is a cake and everyone has a, a share or you just like eat everything and and like leave nothing for for others. So like that was uh, the the starting point of why I was interested in 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 environment, so natural resources. And then um, I just saw a documentary that was talking about um, waste, and I realized that waste was extremely economic an economical topic. Mm. Um, like it's embedded in our economy, but uh, maybe it's infor- like it's informal. Uh, it starts with being informal because no one uh, gives value to waste, but then it becomes uh, formal. And uh, that line uh, for me was very uh, interesting. And uh, yeah, I started to become interested in, in waste. And uh, just I was also very 
uh, yeah, I started to have like my whole, um, I don't know, political conscience about what can I do as a citizen um, to do my part. So I started to uh, really think of my own consumption. So I started to buy a bicycle, <laughs> um, which like it was very late like I was turning three because like my parents like never allowed me to have a bicycle or even I was not allowed to go to summer camp like <laughs> they um, didn't want me to do uh, many things um, yeah always about security being a girl <laughs> in an Asian family and um, and but yeah so I started to have a bicycle I um, started to reduce a lot of my I, I was just like thinking, okay, what do I consume on a daily basis and can I reduce that or uh, can I eliminate that? So um, I was also thinking about oil and plastic and I was just like, I want to be in independent <laughs> from oil. <laughs> so yeah, I started to produce plastic today. I know that's okay. It's not just about <laughs> plastic, but at the time I was really uh, focused on this. So I re-eliminated all the single-use things that I could uh, in my life and then um, like in terms of waste uh, there was um, like I still have to eat on a daily basis so I still had food waste and it's something that I cannot reduce so I was um, thinking okay what can I do with it then I googled and then I found out about this word compost <laughs> mm. <laughs> which I yeah I didn't know before and then I just saw in India they were doing um, like an initiative called Daily Dump and there is a lot of uh, resources online so I started to be interested in that and, and try to apply it for, for myself again I forgot the question I wow think. no it's, so, it's, it's brilliant I think uh, uh, there are few elements I think we can dig deeper starting from your interest uh, for the sustainability and environment, actually from an economic perspective. I remember one of your um, interviews, it's really interesting perspective. Uh, it's really about resource distribution. It's not about, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not about keep, um, you know, generating more resources. It's also about how distribution of those resources. And I think not a lot of people starting looking at environment and sustainability from purely economic perspective. So I think we can dig deeper into that. And from there, you like starting looking into paying attention, your personal behavior, your daily consumptions. And then from there, you started to think about, you know, you dig deeper into one element, just starting from food waste and obviously also green transportations and everything so yeah i guess like there's so many areas that I'm very i'm sure dingle has 1000 questions too <laughs> so maybe i will just pick and choose one area i very want to dig deeper for now is um the economic perspective of uh, sustainability uh yeah so because you mentioned you study international ec economy right uh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, it's a bit bullshit, but oh, can we say bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a degree uh, in, like, general management and, like, something called international business economics and strategy, but, like, I do not feel like what I... Uh, retain from my from my degrees actually the classes that's a bit sad to say but I feel like other internships the um, experience abroad um, the master thesis and the relationship with my thesis director um, counted much more than the actual classes 
and even the yeah the life uh, with other students and yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was really um, through uh, writing my master thesis. But actually, even before, because like I did some uh, internships when I was in India um, in a microfinance in- institution and in an association of microfinance institutions uh, who do lobbying, and um, and. So, yeah, this was the entry point to be interested in development economics. So it's actually like uh, Muhammad Yunus <laughs> and the Grameen Bank <laughs> initially who, like, that was, it was actually a class called social entrepreneurship. So I'm maybe, uh, yeah, it's not so true. Like, yeah, c- classes actually had an, an impact. Uh, yeah, there was this uh, teacher from South Africa and um, we studied some cases and uh, one of them was the Grameen Bank and then I was like super passionate about microcredits and then it was microfinance and then it was uh, yeah development economies and capabilities and then it was natural resources and then it's composed and then and then it's waste and then it's composed and now it's like making environmental topic fun <laughs> it's actually this um the last, the updated uh, interest now is this more than just compost. But again, compost as an entry point to to something else. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I can visualize a life map mm-hmm. of you. Like if you're drawing a life map, you know, starting with uh, trying to understand international economy and realize, oh, actually, that's not a lot of real, tangible, substantial impact there. And then from there connected to uh, you know from your experience in microfinance and understanding the connections between economy and social impact and then from there digging deeper into uh, you know waste and you know more connected so in in a way from a very high level macro perspective <laughs> zooming into like very daily life people can actually take actions on and relatable for them I think in ter- uh, instead of uh, impact, uh, I would say the word coherence because it's even a word that I mentioned before going to Cambodia to my thesis director and it's still a word that I identify as one of my core needs. Uh, if we have time to talk about nonviolent communication, <laughs> but I'm not sure we have. Um, but uh, yeah, so coherence is extremely important for me. So like, um, actually, it's like one thing that, uh, yeah, we were um, um, questioning uh, impact, like how much impact can we know we have or how can we measure this? So I'm not really focused on this because I don't have control on this. And it's also not necessarily what I'm looking for. Like a lot of people would um, be maybe... Um, like feeling guilty because I don't know they use plastic in front of me or something like that but I actually have no I have zero frustration about that because for me uh, everyone has their own journey and I'm not thinking that I'm more advanced or anything because I do not like I just make choices for myself and I just want people to respect me for for the choices that I make and I uh, do the same thing with others mm, and before maybe we dive deeper into your like compost compositing making environment 
fun. Maybe if we take a, just to contextualize everything. So you mentioned two things super interesting. The first one is more like you grew up not being environment friendly or interested. So not. Uh, <laughs> and then okay, maybe let's start with that. But yeah, could you share a bit like your childhood? Why do you say that? And if you said that, like what were some of your dreams or aspirations when mm. you were younger? Well, cool question. Uh, so yeah, I was born and raised in France from uh, Asian immigrant parents uh, who, like I saw working all the time as a as a kid, and uh, I grew up on industrialized food. <laughs> so like yeah, my parents had not like not so much time and uh yeah had a lot of um like frozen like the frozen section <laughs> was my favorite one when i was going to the supermarket and my parents didn't really look at what we were putting in the in the trolley and um and yeah i was eating a lot of uh very fast uh food let's say and um And so, yeah, I didn't really care at all about packaging or <laughs> all these kind of things. Um, and I was also um, living in the suburbs of Paris. I don't feel like this is where I grew up. At least it was not at all a concern. And for me, an example uh, would be like I was helping my, my parents with their different uh, small businesses like my mom always had like different kinds of shops and uh, one of them was like a laundromat um, with um, like selling also like small gross grocery things and uh, I would always put a plastic bag for my customers because for me that was the right way of serving uh, your customers so I was always um, yeah Uh, offering one and I never heard someone who said no 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 I don't want a plastic bag <laughs> it's just like it was just not part of our culture back then and even now in France it, it changed a lot but at the time it was not and um, and yeah again um, environment the way I heard uh, about it before is like either because you want to protect nature so you have this um, um, like kind of postal cards kind of mm. Uh, view of nature beautiful and then why are we wrecking nature and uh, for me my perspective was more like humans are also part of nature and we like I don't know this is just the way that we <laughs> evolve and so and also like I'm also I was also very conscious that we have homes and uh, we have industrialized processes and we we benefit from them every single day to live so to actually have this now and say oh we don't need that it's it's not true because we like your house is not just i mean for some people maybe it's just made out of um, mud or bamboo or something but for most people like there's a huge <laughs> Uh, cementry so like mm. yeah, I don't know like industry and and all and um, and and also like the other thing that I was hearing was uh, the care for animals and I can kill animals f to, <laughs> to to eat like it's not a problem for me um, not for cruelty but uh, to eat I don't have a problem so I also could not relate I could not relate to the reasons why people were environmentalists I would I should mm. say and uh, and I do not define myself as an activist at all because 
again like I don't for me I um I I like my wish for everyone would be that they do like they take out all their limiting beliefs and that they really feel like they live the way that they they feel like okay this is me that would be my number one dream and um and uh yeah so uh, I'm I don't I don't f like the way that I think it's not like I think something and you should do the same as me I see my beliefs today as just an ideology that belongs to me and no mm. one else and just quickly do you remember what you wanted to do when <laughs> you were young <laughs> <laughs> when I was younger yeah. uh, but I think when I was uh, in in junior high like one of my best friends was super into makeup and I thought okay maybe I will work at L'Oreal or one of these one of these kind of um, entities like businesses um, so that was like super early on and I was yeah, because my my parents are like yeah like the business schools and I should say <laughs> and okay so I, I thought okay maybe like I don't know. At some point, I think I was uh, thinking that. Um, but uh, then, like, when I, like, the first, like, my first work experiences were with my parents. Like, especially, like, my mom, she always, like, developed these small shops, like I told you. And uh, so she had, a, like, a bakery, but not the traditional one, like, the immigrant one. <laughs> <laughs> The one where like it's like the dough is already formed and then you just have to put in the kind of machine to make it grow and then you it's not like the um, artisan crafts the dough every single day at four AM. No, for us it's like six thirty, it's fine. <laughs> and um um where was I going? <laughs> yeah. So um, I just I really enjoyed uh like when I was sixteen I asked my mom to take care of the shop fully. I didn't want her to intervene at all. Mm. So I wanted to do the accounting, the supply, the cleaning, the, the serving customers of course. And um yeah, I don't necessarily remember why like exactly I just thought it would be cool to do that for my for my summer. And um, and I just enjoyed uh, having like feeling quite. Uh, I, I felt a bit proud to be like yeah responsible of different things. And I thought yeah, my mom is cool. Like she's yeah started this by herself. And I saw my brothers kind of um, like looking down on that. Like they were more into those fancy names. Um, and uh, I just thought. I just um, yeah talked to different people who uh, I kind of heard like they didn't like their colleagues or they didn't like their work environment or they felt like they were not doing much um, in their in their role and I just felt like yeah this was awesome like from yeah six to to eight p.m. like I'm really active and I I, mm. I loved it so I just thought it's gonna be something like I knew quite early on that I would not want to be in a huge company uh, not meaning that big companies are not good I just I just yeah not for you maybe yeah. not yeah. and and quickly like you <laughs> I did not answer the question <laughs> no you answered I did think I? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned the waste documentary which one is it um, so it's a uh, Gomorrah 
It's like a, it's actually a movie. It's not okay. a documentary. But actually, no. It was it started with a with a documentary called uh, Camorra, and it was on the Italian mafia uh, in southern Italy. And then I watched this this movie. So actually, no. It's this documentary. It's the Arte documentary. The Italian mafia movie is about waste. Yes. Ah, okay. Yeah. So the, <laughs> so the, the, the <laughs> we were speaking about something <laughs> complicit. So yeah, I yeah I love mafia movies, and uh, <laughs> I saw this documentary, and I was super shocked to realize that actually mafia activities do not cover only human trafficking and uh, prostitution and um, uh, drugs, but also <laughs> waste. <laughs> and I didn't know that before. But you watched the movie because it was Italian mafia, not because of the waste yes. part, right? Yes. But, <laughs> but, but then you discovered, a, but then it was a waste yes. aha moment. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because like, it's, like in the documentary, I think we can see a can of soda. I don't, mm. I'm not into uh, sodas, <laughs> but it was kind of representative that, oh, this can come from my house. Actually, so that was the first time that I realized that actually the small actions that we do on a daily basis can have huge consequences. Mm. So, I, you mentioned that this movie is is one of your first aha moment, and yeah. then it's also the class on social entrepreneurship, and then you know like what Mohammed Yunus was doing. Could you sh like? It, like you mentioned, like your first aha moment is a movie when everything changed. But I guess it's also a journey, right, of different things. Could you share like me what are some of the other things that contributed mm. to, you know, putting you more into the environment mm -hmm. path? Um, I think so. Yeah, because. It was, I kind of had a meltdown when I was writing my, my master thesis. So it was on microfinance. Like, the, um, like, I was comparing social performance and financial performance of microfinance institutions. And um, diving deeper, I just felt like um, results from researchers about the actual social value of uh, microfinance, of the microfinance sector, uh, is maybe not as it is advertised. And um, like I like read some reports from the 90s. And uh, so Mohamed Yunus won the Nobel Peace Prize in 2006. And I was writing my master thesis in 2012. Um, so like... Um, realizing that um, what practitioners are doing and like what researchers are finding like <laughs> decades before um, I was just like I kind of lost like I, I kind of had a an aha moment about microfinance um, and it's yeah a lot of problems really related to the microfinance sector but also the kind of pressure that we are putting on beneficiaries of microfinance institutions. I was at a very low point in my life and kind of stuck doing, like, writing my, my thesis and I was like, if today you ask me to be this amazing entrepreneur who, with this small amount of money, can, like, change her life and the life of my kids, like, my entire family and my neighbors also, my community, like, it's a lot. I could not do this and I feel like 
Yeah, I was. I'm. I've been born. I was born privileged already to have like fighter parents who like a mix of hard work and luck and many things that brought them to like we can say yeah move out of poverty because like when they moved to France they were they were poor but um, maybe not as much as a lot of people uh, uh, in the world by the way but uh, yeah I was born super privileged and with higher education and not having to um, like uh, suffer to find food and to study um, and The, like with all those characteristics, I do not feel confident um, like making good use of a loan, of a micro loan. So it was also a reflection on myself. Um, uh, so that's yeah. There are so many things that uh, <laughs> led to that meltdown, but also that uh, um, yeah, just uh, purely um, like thinking a private initiative. Uh, when, which is actually for me like an excuse also for the public sector not to do anything um, is yeah I just felt like something was not really uh, convincing for me and um, and then anyway when you have loan is to buy stuff so it was really the link from money to actually money is just a tool to get uh, natural resources and when there is a conflict in the world when you dive deeper is always about resources always about i don't know a lake <laughs> like some water that's i don't know hydro dam that's preventing some people to get like water on the other side or like oil access or anything so yeah did i <laughs> i can answer mm. the question <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes i think from. it's um, about when you are discovering a lot of things new concept and initiative in the world you're also doing self-discovery you're asking yourself if you are being put in that position what would you do and you know all these reflective questions i guess you're also questioning the world why we are living the world like this and why people you know behave in the certain ways so maybe just to i think um you mentioned about you know if um you want people to remove more like limiting belief right um so what was what was some of the limiting belief you had before and how did you overcome it wow <laughs> um so a huge um limiting belief but i don't know <laughs> kind of a um is that i should uh i should know how to write <laughs> the audience is like good um, yes like I struggled um, for many years on this technical issue that is writing and I was always the last one to leave the room when we had to write a dissertation for example or just like some exercises and I was just like focusing for hours on one exercise and not do the rest Um, and um, yeah, I I always thought that it's actually something that uh, I have to overcome uh, and to be good at. Um, and um, yeah, I just think that is the limiting belief because, like, um, while I'm focusing on this, I'm not focusing on the action verbs that I told you before. 
um, and yeah I just realized like this is not me so this is a huge limiting belief yeah, I'm sure there are many others but right now it's because I think it's the latest one that I really struggled with and started to accept very recently um, because like uh, when you uh, join this um, um, like competitions and and different application things, um, you always have to write yeah application forms. And even when you are like an entrepreneur, you have to uh, write down things. And um, yeah, I just felt uh, stuck. And uh, like yeah, you have to do like PowerPoint presentations. And I just feel like creating something out of nothing. Um, yeah, it's just. Uh, it, it's not me. And, and how did you let go of this? So how when I was looking at ENFP, the ENFP profile, but that's you guys are ENFPs, <laughs> but maybe you don't have this problem. But it's just like, of course, like you dive deeper into something, and then some things will speak more to you, some others not. But like, so I was looking at these quotes from famous ENFPs, and there is this talk show host. I don't even know her. Her name is like Rachel Ray, and then she was saying, "Nothing in me wants to write." And I just felt like I didn't know her, but I knew she was a talk show host who is successful. And I just thought, like, ah, oh, actually, like, there is a life for me without necessarily having to take, like, have this as a as a burden, like, all my life. And then I also realized that um, I don't know. Sometimes when I feel bad, I like to watch some feel good videos, and watching the Obamas <laughs> make me feel good. <laughs> and. Uh, uh, I they were they were talking about how they were creating speeches and they have like uh, people who help them to write a speech, and um, even the the book like becoming uh, from Michelle Obama like it was actually um, like created out of discussions that she had with someone and this person while discussing was actually writing the transcript. And so she already had a base and then moved from that to actually finalize the book. So I realized that I love talking. <laughs> um, I love exchanging ideas. Um, I love meeting new people. And um, I just thought, okay, maybe, maybe it's okay uh, not to focus on this one. Like, I don't see myself as a writer. And um, even if for some people it can be uh, like uh, not difficult I just have to admit like for me it is and it's yeah like since I was younger I've, o I've always been the latest one in this exercise so I just know at some point I'm not going to change yeah I mean as ENFP I can validate your point <laughs> I, I don't like writing what about you I love writing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, right. For it's for some people, not for everyone. Yeah, so that's why like yeah. I, I know like there are some super successful yeah. uh, ENFP writers. There is a an ENFP uh YouTuber uh who I follow. She's a writer. Oh. But so it's not but just like this sentence from someone who is successful and saying this like so confidently. It was just like, "Oh, I have other other ways." Like yeah, that's great. That's great. So uh, maybe let's continue your journey as a personal, uh, uh, you know, like someone who's aware of 
trying to learn about compost, aware of daily consumption, waste. So how does it come from someone who is just paying attention about composting to someone now, you know, uh, running an initiative? The compost queen. The compost queen uh, in Cambodia, like in bringing the compost culture everywhere. So how does it, from individual you know, your personal behavior to mm. running an initiative that, you know, bring the uh, influence to other people? Um, I think there's it's like this conjunction of factors. So, like, um, when I started to um, have a, an apartment with a balcony in Phnom Penh, I just decided to, like, start this uh, composting because I, I just didn't want my my waste to go uh, to the landfill every day so I started to do my own system and then like um, I was friends with some uh, like pe- like um, yeah some people working in uh, in environment I was mostly from the same youth group uh, for which I volunteered um, and uh, yeah they started to take interest in in that as well like oh Manoram she's the compost girl (laughs) and then uh, I also met someone who became my roommate uh, later and I think the fact that I was composting (laughs) was also like um, a factor that led to maybe her wanting to (laughs) live with me Um, and uh, yeah at our um, like uh, the, the, the second home um with with uh, my roommate uh so amazing roommate who's gonna be interviewed by lifeline very soon her name is melanie check out check it out um and um she yeah she saw that i was experimenting and she was always super supportive and yeah i think she's defining like elements in my life in the yeah she need to take a lot of credit for a lot of accomplishments that I've done I think and um, and yeah like at some point I wanted to test things but I was just saying the idea out loud and then she was like okay uh, what do you need yeah I don't have the budget how much do you need okay I need $350 and then she's like okay I I give it to you like I lend it to you and so she lends me micro credit <laughs> so it was more like okay what do you need ah okay she's actually asking me like she's asking me to be more precise in my ideas and then ah okay now she wants a budget like I need to do a budget to actually give her an amount um, so then it was like 350 and then like I just bought different boxes of different sizes and then experimented um, in um, in our home and actually yeah I had Two amazingly supportive uh, roommates, um, and yeah, they just went along with it and just like let me do things and be messy. Um, so I was also very fortunate to have an enabling environment and supportive friends. I think that's very important. So that's I guess how it started, like from uh, like a shitty system to a less shitty system that was working in my home. I'm talking about the composting. <laughs> Like a home composting system, um, and uh, yeah, so, so, so before the shitty system, were you composting already? Um, like, I grew up not composting, mm. and then 
Yeah, like I like I think like the last uh, year uh, before moving to Cambodia, I, so I came back to living with my parents to finish the the master thesis. And uh, that last year, my dad was actually like he started composting, but he we mm. had a backyard and like a garden and so we we're just like throwing uh in the like at the there. back of the garden mm. yeah um so it's a different setting when you're on the balcony and you don't have access to soil mm. so just so you were in the house you had a balcony yeah and you wanted to start composting yes but you were not composting yet in that house no okay yeah, so that's where you set up the Shitty yeah. system. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I just looked at the daily dump uh, resources, like this in Indian initiative that I was telling you about. And um, yeah, I just tried to reproduce the same, but um, mm. not at all with the same materials. So actually, it makes a huge difference. And yeah, I was really every component was new for me i was like okay so now i need to find dried leaves so i was like okay where do we have trees and uh, <laughs> it's like ah okay now like in on this street <laughs> i see that there are leaves falling so maybe i can check this one out <laughs> so <laughs> it was some very weird trips sometimes i actually went to farm to table like before working for farm to table and just like Because I, I saw the concept of the restaurant and I thought, okay, I think they have trees there. <laughs> Or is this really looking at where you find leaves? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, then had these baskets and I just tried. But like Daily Dump is like um, actually some um, terracotta pots. So it's just not the same at all as like rattan baskets. <laughs> But at the time I was just like, okay, let's just go some like this is start somewhere because i'm just so fed up with my ways going to the mm. to the landfill so how, i just how, like how do you feel when you throw organic waste <laughs> like the first time i was just very unsure like i don't know if i can say this on lifeline yeah you like, can there say is everything <laughs> there is a secret it's actually only my friends at yoranko ambassador know <laughs> oh. not even everyone <laughs> oh you have to say it now <laughs> So, Daily Dump, they say that, I don't know if it was Daily Dump or another, but like, they say that you need a starter, like to make compost. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a starter. Okay. So, it's like, okay, this kind of, uh, you need this culture to, to start composting. That's when I, that's so, like, they were like, okay, you need, uh, you need cow dung, <laughs> but I do not have cow dung. <laughs> so, I, I tried, <coughs> then second best thing where I could find poop <laughs> <laughs> so you pooped in your shitty system <laughs> that's why you call it a shitty system <laughs> <laughs> so that was the first compost material you put in the box yes <laughs> I'm so glad we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I mean, like, I, like today, for people who want to start composting at home, starters are bullshit. You can really start with no, with no starter. <laughs> But just at the time, I didn't know. So I'm just like, boop. <laughs> I mean, not like this, but like, 
Yes, yeah, so I, I, I put mm. this one and then I was like, in the next days, I was constantly thinking about it, like, <laughs> did I just do this? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is the impact of this action? <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, like the subsequent days, I was really, yeah, it was just like, what did I, what am I doing? Like, mm. <laughs> how many, when was this? Which year? It was 2017. Okay, so four years, five years ago. How, do, you, do you know how many versions do you, did you have of your compost kit? Uh, I think it was like seven or eight, something like that. I mean, the latest versions are like probably with the same boxes, but there are some modifications. So, um, yeah, seven, eight. Like now I want to change again. Uh, but for some minor things, but like if you ask for versions, yeah, I don't what know. What did like you eight, nine, change? Ten. Could you share a bit? So, uh, so the first time was those uh, rattan baskets, and I just realized that it was very easy to get cockroaches. <laughs> um, and then, like, I don't know, it was just too dry, and like it was like leaking everywhere, so it was just not the best. And also, uh, the bottom at some point, just like, like very early on, is is just decomposes of course <laughs> <laughs> it does its job so um so i just like okay this is not uh, like uh, sustainable enough um and uh, then uh i had those a uh, huge 120 liter boxes and then i had this idea of um, some kind of compost benches where it was like one kind of square flower pot per day <laughs> and we would be like aligned on the balcony and we just put like some wood on top, wood boards and we could just chill on the compost. <laughs> and then like my former boyfriend was like, you do realize that no one is going to sit on the compost. <laughs> and um, yeah, because with compost also comes from, come like red ants, for example, like you cannot necessarily mm. control other life who is going to show up in your compost. So, yeah, no one wants to have, like, uh, itchy butts. So there was uh, this, and then um, even the structure of those benches, it kind of changes. Like, at first, I thought, okay, just, like, put them all in a line, and then I thought, I'm going to do a compost wall. So actually, I just put them on, stack them on top of each other, and then I did a combination of those with the big boxes. And then... Um, Yeah, a lot of rats at that time. <laughs> mm. And then um, finally there was... Uh, and then like there was uh, this friend um, from Germany who was also super into compost. So we <laughs> it was our main topic like together. Um, yeah, I should ask for his news. And... Um, <laughs> sorry. If you're listening, a German friend. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then uh, so I... Um, like uh, he gave me his uh, like one of his composting system trials uh, so I had his for some time then like it was not really working for me but like I took the same idea of being elevated because it was on some kind of um, stool uh, so yeah then it started to be this um, elevated system with a stool and uh, I, I thought before we need like six boxes So, like, one system was, like, six boxes. And then I realized, okay, that's a lot, six boxes. So, then it was three. But, actually, it's not just, like, oh, you realize one day later it's, it's three boxes instead of six. It's just, like, you go 
through time and then you realize like those three boxes have been here for a while <laughs> without being attended so uh, then uh, it was uh, three stacked on each other and then uh, when we started to commercialize it was two because without K we can start with two and then if people want to buy another one they can still like buy an another one which year did you commercialize? so it was uh, 2019 okay. October did you originally know or had the goal to commercial commercialize them? No, no, not at all. Like, and the idea of commercializing, so this is because, um, like, so as, as you mentioned, Ninka, before, like, I was working as a, a sustainability coordinator in that restaurant before, and uh, one of my missions was to um, um, bring awareness to our team. So uh, mm. I like so uh, I had like these uh, monthly sustainability meetings uh, with all the waiters and um, uh, chefs uh, of our restaurant and accounting departments, and then uh, sounds a lot, but actually <laughs> it's a small restaurant. <laughs> We're like 15 max, <laughs> and then I just thought, okay, maybe they are a bit tired of having this monthly thing where we have activities I just thought it would be kind of cool to experiment something else and there was this social entrepreneurship competition organized by Impact Hub Phnom Penh at the time uh, that I thought would be a great way to engage um, our team um, so I already had uh, the, the products uh, at home and uh, why not uh, take this as an opportunity to think this solution further but also to include uh, the team so um, I joined along with two um, uh, colleagues of mine at, uh, at the restaurant um, and uh, yeah we joined the So it was called Smart Spark uh, Cohort 3 at the time, um, which uh, is a program um, developed by Impact Hub Phnom Penh, uh, focused on the sustainable development goals. And they have a cohort like focusing on different SDGs um, uh, each, at each cohort. And this one was environmental protection. So um, we joined uh, this and... Uh, Then we won <laughs> the, the prize, uh, which was $3,000. And uh, so, yeah, now we had the money. So it was just like, okay, so we need to buy now. <laughs> we need to buy, like, material. Okay, so now we bought material. We actually need to make them. Okay, now we actually need to sell them. So I took a week to actually send the, like, order form. I just did not dare. At first, I was like, this is a shitty product. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just, it's very weird to make, a, like, to craft something and then to put it out there for people to buy. Unless, like, it's something artistic and you, you feel, like, super proud of your art. But for me, it was just, like, a crafty solution that does not look so professional. And so to put it out there and put a price tag on it, Mm. It's just like I just wanted everyone to have it for free, <laughs> and then yeah. So then uh, we won in September, and we started to commercialize in October, 2019. Yes. Okay. The, yeah. Could you explain maybe like how does your compost kit work? Who is it for? And very startup judge question, but what is the problem? 
behind yes you know behind everything that mm. you are trying to solve yeah oh, sorry <laughs> i was just i wanted to correct also that my friends also supported uh, like uh <laughs> joining the competition because i feel like yeah the idea com it, like it did not come from me actually it was my friends like suggesting oh you should apply so i again have to give credit to my wonderful roommate minani because again like i would not have done it if it wasn't for her so she sorry <laughs> she, she forced you no she didn't force me but she was she was like she she actually uh proposed several times um to to join uh like a program and i never felt ready for it and even for this one i didn't feel ready for it but i had the i had the the other mission of actually um engaging colleagues of mine so that was more dismotivation mm. more than focusing on the solution it was more like ah, oh, it could be a cool activity to show um like my colleagues at yeah at the restaurant and actually it turned out beautifully because like they were way speakers as when they were younger and uh, oh. they actually brought a lot of meaning to to the to the project mm. when they were there Um, so sorry, so the new the question. <laughs> the problem you're trying to address? Yes. Um, so the problem. Um, so the one that we pitched. You mean? <laughs> no, like just like you know why? Why do you do that in the mm. end? Like uh, why is it important for you? And why do you think? Because I guess one of your mission back then is that because you wanted to compost at home. At some point, you wanted to sell them, so you want more people to compost at home. But why do you want people to compost at home? Mm. So, um, so that's when I like I go back to uh, actually for me, it's more uh, like um, I direct my life uh, about coherence and not necessarily about impact. So I don't know if I've ever thought. Uh, I want everyone to compose at home. I think it was not really an agenda I had for myself, but more like a message I constructed because of the whole startup entrepreneurship yeah. thing, actually. Um, so it's the line is very hard to define because you feel like you want to try different things and um, uh, you are like, constantly asking yourself the same question and then you you refine as you go but then you also get influenced by what other people tell you and you have role models you feel like oh you have some friends they've developed their startups they are so amazing i want to be like them so um i i cannot say actually that even if i've said it i've also said it in newspaper <laughs> but uh that everyone compose at home is not necessarily my big why <laughs> but so <laughs> for the for the problem i still like the easy uh, uh thing that would talk to a lot of people was okay we have 60 70% of wet waste in the landfill let's eliminate that and we can do this with a simple solution is composting at home out of your own kitchen waste so you can take action now mm. so if i understand correctly um composting is is just one way for people to be more aware about their waste maybe for your message to people is that 
not necessarily through composting, but it's more like you want people to be more aware of it. And for now, composting is one option you offer to them. I think it was really a mix of um, I do this for myself and I do care about my waste. Like mm. even when I was uh, having some uh, like dinner parties with some friends um, with young ambassador, we would eat a lot of fruit. And it was always this thing that, ah, Manoram is again going to bring her big um, pot, this one, <laughs> actually, um, to actually take all the uh, jackfruit seeds and all the watermelon. Or I was always like the one carrying all the waste from the even home to compost. And before I didn't know, so I was like cutting everything super small pieces. And like my friends were always like, wow, she's so dedicated. Um, but yeah, so far, my waste was very important. And I guess like um, I do not really go around telling people what they should do. And this is not my agenda at all. But me being like so... Um, committed to what I do is actually like people reflect on their own actions like it's not something that I try to analyze but that's what people have told me um, and uh, and then like I, I try to tell them like you can do whatever you want like I'm not here to judge you validate you or anything but they're like no no I know I know it's just like it makes me reflect on my own actions or something mm. like that so you focus on what you can do and let other people decide which part they want to you know maybe see if that's useful or that's relevant to their life right yes because i and like let's I d so i just feel like i have no saying for someone else's mm. life like it's just like not my place mm. at all like so it's as simple as that and uh yeah, so I can be friends with people who are like uh, super, uh, like uh, materialistic. It's not. It's not necessarily a, a problem at all. Like, it's. It's not. I will not define the uh, our potential for friendship uh, based on this. Mm. Right, and I also want to dig deeper into your experiment. Uh, were you a person who likes to do? trial and errors and doing multiple experiments before you become an entrepreneur or that's something that you actually realize you have to experiment again and again after you become an entrepreneur um, so yeah I t I've never defined myself as an entrepreneur <laughs> <laughs> and uh, every that's why I love before when uh, Din Long said CEO uh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I just feel like um, yeah, I see, I have some friends who've been there, done that, and I just feel like I'm nowhere near, <laughs> uh, like the kind of profile that they are. Um, I think trial and error was just like, okay, uh, today there is a rat. <laughs> what can we do about it? Okay, uh, today, uh, yeah, it's sticking everywhere. And especially because compost, like, you have the element of smell, you have the element of uh, um, leachate, you have... So it's really, it's not something that you can really avoid. At some point, you just really have to take care of it. So I think a lot of um, uh, my trial and error was just because I had to, <laughs> just to stay mindful of my roommates. 
like out of respect mm. for them um so yeah it was more like i had to act because it was like i don't know so smelly or mm. uh just like okay now the compost bin is full <laughs> need to do something so um, it was more it's not necessarily that i was proactive uh, it's, uh, okay, I want to develop this initiative and, uh, okay, what are people telling me? Feedback, trial, error, like, yeah. So that's why I'm saying that I'm not necessarily an entrepreneur because I know friends who are like that and I admire them so much. <laughs> but I'm more on the lazy side and like, oh, I really have to do it now. Okay, let's take this Sunday morning too. Mm, yeah, I think everyone, maybe everyone who started their own initiative they have their own style of how they wanted to, you know, pivot or change or adapt and everything. You have your own style, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that led sometimes to, at some point, I, yeah, like, like fun. a solution that I found, for example, for my waist at some point, like my friend, my parents came to Cambodia and at that time I was already kind of zero waste in my lifestyle, but my parents brought a lot of waste and I didn't know what to do with that. So I kind of just let it sit for months and then when I moved house, so when I moved in with Melania and Kosoma, I had this waste and I didn't know what to do with it. But like, I was just like, no, no landfill. I was really like, extreme at that point. So I just took my bicycle. <laughs> I went to an island <laughs> and I did a fire with myself. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe like creating a fire in the <laughs> it's not necessarily better, but just at that time, I was like, no, landfill. <laughs> like, I did some weird stuff. Yeah, so plastic really uh, burns very fast. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you said you were doing extreme stuff before. Even like my, I moved the compost from my old house to my new house, but I didn't, I I kind of messed messed up with the compost um, and I was afraid that my roommates would find out. So I put the compost in my room. <laughs> <laughs> in my bedroom, yeah. <laughs> but now you're not as extreme as before? No. I'm all about 80 <laughs> 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 Yeah, it was very extreme. But like, yeah... I kind of moved, like, even in France, like, in the coldest of winters, I would take, like, uh, cold showers or <laughs> something like that. Very extreme behaviors at some mm. point. And then it was about waste. And, yeah, now I'm less extreme. Like, I do buy pasta <laughs> packaged <laughs> because I tried the unpackaged one mm. at the market and it was horrendous. Yeah, I tried so. them too. <laughs> because we were together. <laughs> it wasn't good. Yes. So yeah, I'm less extreme now. Hmm. You mentioned about sure. your why a few times. Maybe could you formulate? Like, I'm sure you thought about it, but could you formulate it? Um, my why um, I think was is <laughs> uh, yeah be coherent with my values and live in a way that does not exploit others which actually I know today is impossible like I have a smartphone I'm already exploiting people mm. in some way but um, uh, yeah I now I also realize that the world is not 
all up to me. <laughs> and I also watched some documentaries also showing how um, the guilt on the end consumer was also strategized by companies. So I'm not just like anti... Um, Yeah, I, I'm not trying to blame anyone and I'm also not trying to put all the blame on me now. Uh, just trying to um, reach towards coherence even though I know it's not fully achievable. So yeah, I think like my the big why is that I really um, feel extremely sad when I see despise of any kind. So exploitation for me is a is a form of despise, and um, yeah, it really brings me tears. And I, so I, I just uh, try to live in a way that uh, is not despising, <laughs> looking down on another human being. I just, mm. yeah, just my big why. <laughs> Compost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how, the, how do you link that to composting? <laughs> that is exactly my question. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there is this, and then I just um, feel like uh, for me, my way. So that's why I'm saying like not uh, act, uh, activism, for example, because like I, I do respect activists, but just like I feel like. Uh, a lot of activism today is also um, um, naming and shaming as well, which maybe we, we need to we need to identify uh, perpetrators of actions that are going against what we uh, want to stand up for. But uh, for me, uh, because again, I'm very cautious about this uh, kind of okay, what impact do we really have? Uh, so I just feel like I just want to find some um, actions that I, fe I feel like, um, um, like that I feel are um, bringing me positivity and happiness because I just feel like today. Um, And the environmental speech is very yeah, moralistic, um, uh, like a bit like judgmental, like sh what we should do, what we should not do, and I just cannot relate. I just, I just feel like it's not, it's not sustainable. This is as simple as that. I just feel like it can work maybe for some years, but just like it will not work with the next generation. Like, yeah, again, I don't even know if it's, we need to think that far in the future. I just feel like. Today, I, I I wish like what I know through composting, like what I know about nature. I just feel like there's so many wow stuff. Like nature is like wow. Like there are so many things. Like microbes are incredible. Like the way that uh, organic matter recycles is like this process. And I just and I and I recently got to learn how it really works. Like uh, from the really like um, tiniest of biological details and even at chemical level is is really mind-blowing and I just feel like if we actually knew that like it would be just like um, maybe more interesting like for me interesting is a is very important word <laughs> I feel like we do not do things Be I mean, we do things because we have to, but I just think it's not sustainable. Whereas if you do something because it's interesting, then there's just like more room for 
like uh, creativity and laughter and happiness and all these things. What do you think are like uh, I don't know, two or three things that we should all know about we soil? All know. <laughs> <laughs> Just like to spark people's interest about soil. Um, like uh, how dependent we are on microbes. Like for example, that we have like you hate dust mites, but <laughs> 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 we have so many mites on us, and we have like um, for our digestive system, we rely on the, uh, bacteria and also uh, fungi. Um, so yeah, like they are so cool, and we are actually much more microbes than we are actually human beings. <laughs> and um, I don't know, in a gram of soy. There are like more microbes than you actually have human beings living on Earth. So like these kind of things are super interesting to me or like uh, how photosynthesis works um, and uh, yeah, how we are, uh, like how like light energy and the atmosphere is like converted then into matter like into us like it's quite incredible um so that's two things i think um yeah i think like the composting process or we can say more generally the decomposition process when like so you have a living plant and then it dies and then you have dead organic matter how this dead organic matter is being taken care of by so many creatures and then go back to the roots of the plants. Just this, I just I feel like it's amazing. Like I want to share so much about soil. I just feel like today some is an entity that we um, are like little by little um, we are neglecting a lot today. Uh, but I think that it's probably the most precious thing that we have uh, on, on Earth. Like. Earth is planet Earth. <laughs> it's not for nothing. Like we do depend on on soil, and uh, yeah, I think we tend to forget this, and it's um, creating a lot of consequences to the way that we eat, the way that we produce food, the way that we throw away. So yeah, mm. yeah, like it's super interesting. I think this makes me reflect that I either didn't learn this at school. Either I did, but I don't remember anything. <laughs> so uh, it's very interesting. And maybe to come back, you mentioned, like, you know, a bit on your journey, like, exploration journey. Like, nothing, the environment, I mean, microcredit environment, compost, and now it's more soil and environment. I guess compostity is following the same journey, right? So maybe, like, Yeah, could you share? So now you've done your compost mission, sort of, like the <laughs> entry point <laughs> for people, for anyone who wants to compost at home. Maybe what are your next steps or things that you want to do to really put this vision of, okay, compost at the first step into reconnecting with the soil? What are some of the things that you want to do? Mm. 
Um, so yeah, so far, uh, Compositi is uh, this is the way that people see us because this is the main activity uh, that is known about Compositi is the sale of a home composting kit. So it's like a ready-made kit with a user guide, and then um, you have it at home, and then you start composting. Um, so that is the entry point, um, and um, and yeah, I just feel like I do not one composite to just be a, a compost system provider because first I do not want to focus my life on product development and um, because it's actually taking a lot of uh, time, a lot of energy, a lot of thinking to, and to, to, to do this. Um, and uh, I feel like uh, anyway, if everyone was actually composting but without understanding what's happening in the compost, it would just it would not be my big why. It would not answer my big why. <laughs> but I, now that I told you what is my big why, I feel like is it really this? But actually, for me, it is because like um, like I feel like I want to uh, talk about things that I think are so valuable. And today are like uh, worthless to so many people, and um, where like we depend on them, and like, I just feel like um, the same as we depend on each other to survive, we we exploit other people, but like we also neglect uh, how nature works, and we despise like those microbes and those um, arthropods. <laughs> And uh, other living creatures, uh, but like if we would just like take a moment to actually know them, having this wow maybe would uh, bring more empathy for the whole system. So, <laughs> in terms of activities, um, I want to shift from. I mean, like the sales of the kids uh, needs to stay because. Uh, I want to now focus more on educational material and creating uh, events and opportunities to reflect and discuss. Um, uh, but then I don't want people to be like, oh, okay, I want composting, but I cannot because there is no solution. So I can say, haha, no, there is a solution. <laughs> so you can't tell me there is no solution. So this is very important for me to actually, uh, like a precondition to actually create uh, ed educational things. Because like, like one of the things sometimes that I hear about waste and especially waste in Cambodia is like, oh, people are not educated. And that's why there is a lot of waste everywhere. And for me, like so not true. We know from studies that the more a country is developed, the more waste is produced. Like it's a direct correlation. And um, it's just that, and like government puts actual budget to take care of uh, waste so that it doesn't create visual pollution. But doesn't mean that everything is recycled perfectly, and doesn't mean that there is less waste. It's just less visible and maybe uh, better treated uh, at the end. Um, so um, I do not believe that it's an education problem. Like I, when I hear people are not educated, and that's why there's a lot of waste, I really have some problem with this um, sentence because uh, for me, I feel like this because there is no system um, that people uh, produce uh, waste. Uh, so... 
Yeah, it's important to have uh, this system in place uh, for people to buy if they want to or if they need uh, uh, advice, we can we can help on that. So, yeah, I want uh, to create more events and um, like uh, videos and uh, maybe collaborate with artists, make exhibitions, um, um, yeah, to to talk about um, all the wonderful things that uh, nature uh, is doing, like the way the way actually life works. I don't know if it's only life because we start with dead organic matter actually, but it's really how the cycle of life works. Yeah, things really cool. And um, in life, there are humans as well. So like to shed light also on the people working uh, for waste every day uh, is also a component that I really want to uh, share more. Um, and um, and then also like people gardening, uh, people composting. So yeah, these kind of things. Yeah, no. I, I mean, for me, I find it so interesting how composity follows the same journey as you. <laughs> you might rename it Soil City <laughs> or something <laughs> like this. Uh, but yeah, no, it's super interesting. And maybe to well come back on composity but me I really like the even just the composity journey from starting just for yourself but you are so passionate that you people want to join you even buy your compost kit and it support you to kickstart and everything I don't know if you compare Monodom 2017 <laughs> you do your $350 prototype to Monodom today you have you know your compost kit uh, maybe to explain a bit uh, so basically now it comes with two boxes which are cockroach proof rat proof <laughs> and like everything proof there is a bamboo stove where you put the box on your balcony and the small <laughs> I don't know how it's called, but like a tool. The tongs. <laughs> yeah, to mix and put. And basically, yeah, every time you have organic waste, you put it there. And you, at the same time, you put carbon mix. So it's a mix of... <laughs> so dust, <laughs> rice husk, <laughs> and biochar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So because... Um, Actually, okay. it's a, as far as I can explain. <laughs> but yeah, you need all of these components, some carbon and uh, the organic waste, so then it can decompose, and then uh, you have good soil. Um, but I just, I, uh, so many things I want to share. Uh, but yeah, anyway, <laughs> uh, so yeah, to come back on this whole process, like what would you say were your key learnings for the whole process of developing composity, developing all these prototypes. You know, that could be helpful for someone who maybe thinks that, oh, I, will, I will never be an entrepreneur or I want to start my own thing. I'm not so sure what to do. Um, but for me, it's really those action verbs <laughs> thing. So understanding what you love to do not just what you love to support for me is very it's, it's a huge difference because let's say you say I want to create I don't know is it really an action verb because like there are so many ways to create 
um, I want to innovate, I want to find a solution. How are you going to do this? What's going to be your tool? So is it um, going to be by uh, supporting an entrepreneur uh, to do this and you can do anything? Or is it because you're going to hold a camera and uh, film things and tell stories? Is it going to be you're going to cook and through your recipes, you're going to like transmit some messages, convey messages? So like, um, I think for me, like this, I don't know if it's going to speak to anyone, but for me, it's like, what are the actions that you want to do on a daily basis? And uh, actions is a verb it's a, it's a, sorry it's like it's like one word and so it can be several words uh, of course but like it should not be like a long sentence that never ends it should be something simple and uh, you you feel like ah oh, this verb actually speaks to me like I can I want to wake up every day to 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 do this so I don't know like uh, yeah recently I joined a project where Um, I was very lucky to have a, a team um, and uh, like conceptualize a project and uh, host an event. And I realized that I love hosting events. Like I love chasing people uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm very good at it. I think like even when people don't know me, the way that I like write with emojis <laughs> and stuff, it's just like... I think, um, and this is something that I've been told before, like uh, way before even environmental consciousness or anything. Like, it's like I didn't understand what what was my strength, and I asked a friend, I don't know, what's my strength? And he said, you make people feel comfortable. And then I, I was like, I, re I still reflect on this today. I'm like, okay, isn't, is, isn't it something that everyone knows how to do? And then I realize, okay, maybe not. So this is a strength, for example. And, and that was not the question. <laughs> yes, yeah, so one of the, uh, of the lessons would be uh, identify what you love to do, not just what you want to support. Um, Yeah, on a, on a daily basis because then when you understand what you love to do you can identify what you don't like to do but that is necessary for your initiative to take place and then surround yourself with those people who like who should love what they do so that you can have a bunch of people who love what they all do and then you create amazing things mm. so is that part of uh, the coherence That when you are looking for coherence, is that one way that you can, you then, like how you find your coherence? But a hundred percent, yeah, for sure. Because like it would just not make sense even uh, for the way that I see the world to just get stuck in something that I don't f feel like it's me. Because then, uh, how can I support someone else to say find something that is you? Like, if I cannot even do this for myself. So, um, definitely uh, related to coherence, mm. 100%. Yeah, okay. So, speaking about coherence, um, is so, for example, if someone who wants to find coherence, what are some of the, the questions that they can ask themselves? What are some of the mental tools that they can have, uh, you know, if they're 
and how can they start to be aware about this incoherence? So, from mm. your personal mm. experience, think like a simple question would be: um, Does this make you feel alive, or does mm. this does this make you feel dead? And um, think you can. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> like if you if you stuck like in in some area for a very long time, like it's. It's not making you feel alive, and we all have different ways that bring us uh, life. So yeah, it's not something like a one size fits all solution. It's like really you have to, for me, uh, like I feel like dig into yourself to understand yourself because like yeah, you can ask your friends and, and all, but like there is also some introspection that um, is a work that you have to do with yourself. I mean, this is the way that that I see it. So um yes <laughs> this uh this simple question um mental tool so yeah nonviolent communication helped me a lot if we can talk about yeah. uh mental tools um but do we have time? Yes, it's perfect transition. So I was thinking <laughs> about how do I start this? Thanks for being Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah um i have to give credit to a friend her name is virginie who um uh, told me about this um because i was struggling a lot and i said yeah i have a problem with my ego and then she said ego is an illusion <laughs> then mm. she sent me the link up for this three-hour video talking about uh, nonviolent communication and so basically nonviolent communication is a methodology for conflict resolution and uh, the guy who popularized it um like was working towards peace for like between eth different ethnies and um and then yeah basically he's saying that we all have this um thing in us that is natural giving but because we live in this world where it's all about duty, guilt, punishment, right and wrong, um, it prevents us from this, natu this, this natural giving ability uh, that we have. So um, if we could uh, yeah, uh, have a methodology that's actually uh, not um, enabling those guilt and um, like sense of right and wrong and these things to, to enter the conversation, then um, maybe uh, we could live in a nonviolent world. So uh, when I, because I talk about this <laughs> a lot to, to friends, um, because when people hear nonviolent communication, because it's um, very common words, people might think that they know what it is. Uh, but so it can be very easy to identify what is violent, like you're a son of a. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's that's very easy. But like, let's say um, you're always late. Like maybe that doesn't sound so violent, but it's extremely violent because you're defining someone with a certain uh, like action and like you're defining this person as being always like that. So there is very little room for this person to change because this person can identify herself or himself as, okay, I'm a late person. And uh, so, um, uh, yeah, it's a methodology in four 
points <laughs> and um, yeah four steps I should say and um, like uh, the first thing is like do you how what is the intention behind like if you have a conflict with someone else like is your intention really to connect or is it to like be right and let the person know that they are wrong if this is the end goal you're not practicing nonviolent communication if it's connection okay you can start the methodology in four, sim four simple steps and if it's a conflict that you have with yourself you can do the, the same exercise and um I do practice this. So it's like observation, feelings, needs, and requests. So uh, observation is the first step. Uh, basically, when you have a conflict uh, situation, you have to understand what what is the situation that tr triggered like the, the conflict. Uh, so you need to imagine that there is a camera, and you have to describe the way a camera would actually record it. So you cannot do any kind of diagnostic interpretation about what the other person said. You have to stay factual. So it cannot be like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like no time for an example. No, but like, uh, like a machine cannot say this person is always late. Yes. Because they don't have the history. It's like yeah. this person arrived exactly. seven minutes late. Yeah. can say you arrived at 10.7, but our meeting started at 10. So this is like factual. Um, so the second uh, step is a feeling. So this situation, what you observed, how did it make you feel? Um, and uh, so you state your uh, feeling and uh, your feeling cannot be uh, dependent on someone else. cannot be like I felt, um, I don't know, uh, like, I, I don't know, is it... <laughs> I don't have an example right now, but so I felt mistreated, for example, mm -hmm. because it means like someone mistreated you. Uh, it's not a feeling like a feeling. It should be something that you feel like, okay, I felt extremely sad. Like I felt, um, I felt anxious. I felt disoriented. It's okay, but so yeah, um, not dependent on someone else. And then... Um, then uh, this feeling is a reflection of an unmet needs. Um, so we all have core needs. So one of mine is coherence, for example, but there are other ones. And um, uh, okay, now you, s you understood what is your feeling. What is the m need that um, was left unmet? Uh, so okay, maybe this person I need organization i need efficiency um i need yeah so um then you can state what is your need and uh, your uh yeah you need uh, again to not be some like you cannot be like i need you to love me but maybe you need love maybe you need affection mm. but you cannot like um you need cannot be dependent on someone and can be um Uh, meet, met by many different ways and the last one is the request so you can have a request for yourself or if you are in conflict with yourself or you can have a uh, request for the person you're in conflict with it should be like what is the uh, a very small step that is actually measurable you can actually answer the request that if it was done or not done um, and then you you do the four steps over and over again so yeah the request can be next time uh, can you please arrive at 9.55 max 
something like that. So you can, if the person arrives at 10, can say, yeah. <laughs> so that's nonviolent communication. And uh, so that's a mental tool that um, has helped me uh, a lot that I still practice today. Um, but so maybe an easy uh, sentence that I keep in mind is uh, a no is a yes to another need. <laughs> So a no is a yes to another need. Yeah, it's a um, credit to a friend, uh, Chiwan, who told me this. And I, yeah, I keep this one in mind uh, uh, so much for, like, it's very easy then to, when someone, I don't know, stood you up, for example, for an appointment, I have zero... Um, blame or problem with that because I understand that this person uh, said no to meeting today because this person had another need somewhere. So it just makes the uh, life experience like much more enjoyable, like less uh, friction with yourself and with others. Mm, It makes you focus on your own needs, but makes you focus on the other's need also. Yes. Instead of the action, mm. but the intention, the need behind. Yeah, a very important thing about nonviolent communication is that the premise is the intention, but also that uh, needs of all uh, of both parties. Mm. In the case of two parties, is that uh, needs can be met at the same time. Mm. It's not a competition between needs. Mm. Cool, thank you so much for the summary of NVC. There is a three-hour video <laughs> by Marshall Rosenberg. Check on YouTube. Um, yeah, I think we are approaching the end. So, you know, we are always uh, asking the last three questions to end. So, the first one is imagine you are monolome, Dorothée, because back then <laughs> <laughs> you used your French name. <laughs> 16 year old so you know, many revelations on lifeline <laughs> <laughs> it's 7 p.m you are you are like, like managing the shop of your mom uh what would you tell her you can go back in time you can tell her something what would you tell her when i was 16 yeah what would i tell my 16 year old 16 year old self Elf. at the shop It's so hard because like when I was 16, I was quite confident about myself Mm. and I lost confidence when I was 21. So when I was 16, I had zero problem. (laughs) My life was super good and I felt very good with myself. When I was tell, um, I don't know, maybe it would be, uh, you don't need to write. I still actually do writing things in my life. It's just that I put less um, like guilt on the, the amount of time that it takes me, um, for example, or like or asking for help also. Mm. Um, yeah, like I think, um, yeah, if you feel dead, <laughs> if you feel dead, it's not a good sign. And... Uh, um, uh, you don't. You don't need to. Um, you don't need to stay in this state for a long time. You 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 can. Um, it's not like you should not be in that state. You, you can 
uh, just like you will have less enjoyable days in your overall life because mm-hmm. like at the end of it that's it like you're just like the only impact maybe that you can have is like that you can measure is like your own life and the number of days and like how many days did you live fully and you feel like you were 100% you and um how many days did you feel like dead and not um yeah not feeling good with your with yourself so <laughs> um these and like because i feel like i've done a lot of um life lessons that i was like oh now i found but then like the practice was it's not it's not a linear journey mm-hmm. Like if there is like this big um, also mental tool apart from nonviolent communication is the TED talk about the power of vulnerability from Brene mm. Brown and then uh, another one that she did called Listening to Shame and also the book Dare to Lead. <laughs> like, okay, I love Brene Brown. Um, but yeah, like I learned and really analyzed the mental tools, but then it did not prevent me from feeling guilty and having sense of shame. Like can have those aha moments, but it doesn't mean that it's, it's a practice at the end of the day. So, um, uh, it's not, uh, something that, oh, okay, you learn how to ride a bike and then y- you learn for life. It's like you need to practice, um, and a uh, question. And mm. continue to practice. So. <laughs> no, no, no. It's nice. A lot of uh, super, super cool advice and summarizes well <laughs> your journey. Also, you know, <laughs> learning more about yourself. Uh, maybe also like you are, yeah. Like there is um, sometimes a pressure about understanding who you are fully, mm. and I feel like this is not you cannot understand yourself fully because you evolve every single second of every day. (laughs) So uh, sometimes there is something about you need to know yourself. Uh, It's okay not to know yourself also. But so these things, maybe these smaller questions like what makes you feel good? What makes you feel like, oh, this is me. Mm. Um, This brings me joy. This makes me feel alive or maybe easier to grasp than who am I? kind of thing cool um, how would you want people to know you for or to remember you for uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I care so much about people remembering me because like yeah because I, that's what I said just before like okay how uh, something that makes you feel alive so I feel like when I'm dead like yeah it's like <laughs> I don't really care just like do like it doesn't really matter uh, to me anymore um, I don't know um, let's actually it's actually not true like I had a, a friend a showman who used to tell me when I was still a student and uh, studying abroad and uh, he was a postdoc at the time and I was always bringing people together and there were like those researchers who always research 
<laughs> and then um, I would I loved them and then I always wanted them to come eat with us and then go to clubs together <laughs> and then at the end um, towards the end of the year they told he told me um, thank you because you made us young again and I just oh. felt extremely touched by this sentence um, and then another person said like uh, being young is still having projects <laughs> something like it's not like the number of years or something like that but so um, I just feel like um, yeah I was I was very touched by this sentence and I still reflect on this uh, today so if I can just be this uh, uh, I don't know uh, joyful puppy <laughs> like around people's lives it's like um, being awkwardly funny because I've been told that I'm funny despite myself. It's not like <laughs> necessarily like do amazing jokes. Sometimes I'm just awkward, and then maybe it makes people feel more at ease because I'm I don't I have no problem with mm. being ridi- ridic- ridiculous or something like that. So um, yeah, and I enjoy doing like <laughs> when I do something I just like go for it and uh, I really enjoy the, the, the process so uh, yeah maybe just this would be cool uh, how would you describe yourself in three hashtags ah. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag uh, non-judgment is two words maybe one hashtag yeah, two words, but one hashtag. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and then uh, hashtag. I don't know. <laughs> it's very hard. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, hashtag uh, authenticity. It's okay to be who you are. And it's okay not to know who you are. <laughs> it's a very long hashtag. This <laughs> <one>. <laughs> and then, um, uh, and then hashtag Copos uh, 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 is cool. <laughs> Yay! Cool. No, thank you so much. Uh, and the uh, real last question, but you know, like, how can people contact you? Why should they contact you? How can oh. people support your mission? Um, think uh, is stay tuned and um, um, like uh, join the events. <laughs> Like there will be a movie night uh, Wednesday the sixth for people <laughs> when something. But I don't know if the episode will be released <laughs> by then. But like yeah, we will have regular movie nights on documentaries that actually marked me, um, and um, yeah, we will do videos very soon. So I guess it's like. Um, this year is going to be about um, creating material and uh, yes if you can check it out and uh, and like give feedback on this will be yeah this is for me the the stuff uh, for this year but yeah it's not (laughs) it's not out there yet so it's kind of a teaser (laughs) (laughs) but um, yeah it's going to happen for sure and yeah this is definitely yeah, be the the step to 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 support would be <laughs> to 
to yeah check uh, like either join the event or like look and listen to the mm. material that's going to be produced you can also buy composting kits <laughs> um, so you can uh, uh, like also the Facebook page of Composity and reach out to Composity mm. uh, on uh, Facebook um, or reach me on Telegram so we put the number or <laughs> I just say <laughs> the number now <laughs> yeah they, uh, okay uh, <laughs> <laughs> people in Cambodia join the event buy your kit people online follow Stu stay tuned for the videos. And then the uh, Light Lifeline. <laughs> uh, send her a message on, 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 mes on Composity Messenger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is this way. Yes. And share Lifeline with two friends. Yeah. <laughs> That's what helped me the most. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> But yeah, no, thank you so much, Monolom. Really love this episode. So much lessons learned, so much learnings. I'm sure everyone will learn so much. Uh, yeah, no, I really love this episode. Um, yeah, same. <laughs> I think, uh, thank you so much, Monorom. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I've been saying this to, to, uh, to everyone, like both of them as well. The more I get to know about you, the more I like you. <laughs> Yeah, and I can say that after two hours of conversation, uh, my like my like towards you is like two hours more than the two hours ago. Oh my god, it's so sweet. Yes. Oh so yeah. Um, thank you so much for sharing everything, and uh, really enjoy your humble attitude towards life, and and I think. To me, you are more than just one human being out of seven billion of people <laughs> here. You're a very, very special person. <laughs> Thank you so much for the sharing. Thank you. Yeah, me, like, <laughs> it's not the end yet, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, the end, it's the end, but like, we keep speaking. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the last thing. Yeah, me, I really like the fact that, I mean, you always say I'm not an activist, you just do it for yourself. It's very interesting. Like usually when we are so committed to something we want other people to mm. be committed for the same thing yeah. so this is very I find it very interesting it's, it's, it's just like I stand up so much for this one like it's not just a saying like oh it doesn't really affect me it doesn't affect me at all it's just like not in my philosophy it's not in my thought process mm. congrats for listening until the end of this episode Of course, to best support Lifeline, you can share this episode to two of your friends and subscribe to the next episodes on any platform. See you next time.